The following episode is brought to you uninterrupted by Clockshelves Entertainment's sister show, Paul and All. If you love me, your voice of choice, Paul Casey, talking with these various folks about Buffy the Vampire Slayer here on Buffyverse and Converse, you will absolutely love Paul and All, where we talk about a wide variety of subjects. Go check it out right now. They are the sponsor. We are the sponsor of this episode. Bringing it to you uninterrupted. Welcome to another episode of Buffyverse and Converse. As always, I am Paul Casey, and I am delighted to be joined once again by my mother, Ruth, and my very good friend, Bill Kava. Go ahead and say hello, folks. Hello. Hi there. He says he's delighted to have his mother here. Let's be honest. <laughs> Not so much, but sounded, we'll, we'll go with it. sounded very sincere. He sounded sincere, didn't he? Yeah. He's really good at that commentator <laughs> voice, right? <laughs> No, actually, well, okay, let me put this. I'm delighted to talk about this episode. How about that? Okay, uh, I'll, I'll give you that one. <laughs> um, I've I've been excited about this uh this episode, especially considering the last few episodes weren't really two of my favorites. I'm not saying this is one of my favorite episodes, but um this episode definitely, in my opinion, ranks better than the previous two. Uh so this episode we're gonna be discussing is Halloween from season two. One of my favorite holidays. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I would start right off with the four fantastic facts, as I tend to do towards the beginning of every episode. And those would be number one, Cordelia still doesn't believe Buffy that Angel is a vampire. And um, now, of course, we've seen that she's pretty much been regularly or semi-regularly been interacting with Angel since uh, the season one finale, and she somehow still doesn't. Uh, so that would be the end of the school year of season one, and now up to Halloween uh, in, in season two in the new school year, and she still somehow doesn't know that he's a vampire. I think that's a, a, a very... up, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, fantastic fact number two is that a vampire seemingly enters the summer's residence without an invitation. However, it is likely that the typical rules may not apply to certain creatures if they've been turned via the spell that we will talk about, of course, as opposed to actually being a vampire. That was one of my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I, okay. I mean, no, no. No, that's it stands okay. to reason, right? That that we we saw that you know obviously we'll we'll get into it a little bit later, but you know certain things changed and and whatnot. So I would think it stands to reason that perhaps this is this sort of gets around that uh, that particular uh, rule that we know. 
Uh, fantastic fact number three, Willow's line, wild on me equals spaz, is actually something that's censored in the UK as spaz is a derogatory term used to describe a uh, handicapped person or a disabled person. And I don't know if either of you remember this, but about a year ago or so, I want to say within the last year, year and a half, um, Lizzo, the singer, basically had to go through a whole thing where she put that word in a song and she had not she had to but she re-released the song with a slightly different uh lyric and things like that because people obviously there are different um whether you want to say sensitivities or you know just certain language differences even though we speak english we speak american english they speak you know british english and there's australian english and all the the various things even canadian english is going to be slightly different so there's different things and because uh you know, people said like, hey, this line is uh, offensive, you know, the way that we use it here. Um, Lizzo had to redo that that line in a song. So it's interesting that, you know, 25 years later, this is still a thing that's a, a language barrier between the the well, UK. It's and... actually that's when I was a kid, kind of that's what it meant. You know, that's what they talked about, you know. Mm-hmm. They if they called you a spaz, that's pretty much what they meant. It was yeah. a derogatory thing then too. So yeah, like on the sport you know. field, on the sports field stuff. Although one of my favorite movies, my favorite Bill Murray movies, Meatballs, there was a character actually named Spaz. Yeah. Was, yeah, he was just a nerdy, spastic guy. So yep. yeah. yeah, I mean the the, the word spastic is, I guess, probably yeah. the root, root word of spaz. So. Yep. And my very last fantastic fact is that the costume designer, Cynthia Burstrom, actually called Buffy's princess dress her favorite piece of the entire series. <laughs> so I think it's interesting that, um, you know, obviously we know that this show goes on for more than season two. And the fact that, uh, you know, when the costume designer who obviously would put these characters through a lot of stuff and says that that's the favorite costume. So, yeah. So initial thoughts on the episode, um, Bill, I'm, I'm curious to hear uh, again. I, I've, you know, I don't want to say every time, cause I try not to say like, I'm super excited about the mm-hmm. next one. I mean, obviously I'm excited to talk about it with, you know, yourself, right. obviously James couldn't be here uh, this time due to some scheduling conflicts, things like mm-hmm. that. But you guys being the first time watchers, Ryan, of course, who's been uh, a first time viewer on this as well. And then even um, Lisa, when she's been on uh, Ruth and, and Kiona sort of rewatching it for the first time in a long time. I'm always interested to hear the thoughts, whether it's an episode I like or didn't like or what have you. But I, I do have to say um, when when gearing up for this episode, knowing certain things that it has that it introduces that come later i was definitely more excited like i said for this one as opposed to the previous two so i'm kind of curious your thoughts on uh this episode having seen the last few that maybe we all i feel like we all kind of agreed weren't necessarily the greatest but i'm Mm -hmm. curious your thoughts on the halloween episode here yeah so i i trust your sincerity when you say you're excited for that episode so (laughs) (laughs) 
But uh, uh, this was no, it really was good. I mean, I, I to be honest though, like the first twenty minutes was a little plotting and a little like plotting with a D. I mean, like it was a little slow and you know the typical, you know what's going on here. But then when uh, I guess when the kid turned into a real monster, I was like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> like I didn't see that coming because at first I was worried about the kids being you know traumatized by what's gonna something's gonna happen and these kids are gonna be traumatized. Meanwhile, it was the kids that turned into a monster. Um, so from that point on, it was just like crazy. I mean, it was great. I mean, the different characters, you know, they all took uh, you know spoiler, but they all took form of the costumes they were wearing um and the whole the whole uh xander situation where he was he was uh buffy kind of stood up for him in the beginning and he kind of took offense to that and then he got his payback uh, by being like you know a rambo kind of guy um so that was really cool and then to go into a spike was back which is great although he's now 0 for 2 uh, in battles <laughs> with buffy and he's I mean, to run away like a girl both times, too. No offense to girls running away, but he kind of Well, I want to know why she didn't just stake him right then. Like, yeah, she literally yeah. had him. Like, she could have. I mean, granted, she had you a know, pipe and not a stake. But it's funny but she, because. She just let him go. It's mm -hmm. funny because I thought that in the moment. And I'm wondering. So mere seconds after that, Xander makes a comment. And it also this also kind of tags up on, on Bill's thing. Xander makes a comment. It was like he was there, but he was trapped and couldn't get out. And we see the kids there instantly change back into, you know, just being in costumes. And you hear one of them in the background say, like, I want to go home or I want to call my mom or I'm scared or something like that. And so I wonder if because like so we know how Xander felt like Xander was it was basically as if he was kind of trapped in his own body. I would assume Buffy kind of felt the same way, right? Because she was the complete opposite of her character. So I wonder if maybe thinking of that, thinking of how she felt, realizing there were the kids there, and like Bill said, so as to not traumatize them, perhaps even more, because what did they just go through being transformed into these monsters? Maybe that's why. Maybe it was a a, a, a reprieve on her part, because she saw that there were the kids there and whatever, and she didn't want to perhaps cause further trauma. Because yeah, I think it's more of, I just think this guy's going to be around a while, so they can't kill him off yet. But even if she well, I know that, just, but like, it, grabbed the stake and, you know, the stake broke or something before they can get to him, just to like even attempt it. Would yeah, make but it like, well, I mean, she had a pipe, so she couldn't, she would have had to get a stake and she wasn't wearing what she's normally wearing. Right. And I, I did think at the time, like, why did she let him go? But then I, I agree with Paul. I heard the kids going, mm -hmm. I want my mom, you right. know? So like you go, do you want to, do you want? And also like, once they see that, yeah, there's the, like Cordelia wants to not pretend that she doesn't know that all these things right. exist. But he, sl he slinked away like you that. Know, will first, they be didn't he slink away that? like that the first time too, when they were fighting? It was like so anticlimactic how he just like, yeah you know, yeah yeah so but you know it's, they need it's, to be more creative you know, in uh in ending their non-kill battles <laughs> yeah yeah i, I won't them, i won't know, disagree with you there yeah yeah but uh but it, yeah and then to go into the whole rupert janice thing that's amazing that's gonna be great i could see that being something big but. yeah that was pretty uh it was funny because i was i was watching as 
as um what's his name um ethan ethan yep ethan rain yeah okay so yeah. while while he was there and he was speaking latin you pick up certain words and i i got the janus before and i i knew that word so i looked it up and it's it's actually um he's the two-faced god of duality which makes a lot of sense in the fact that they pretty much became their costumes he's actually it's weird because it's the god of doorways right you know right. like tr it basically transitioning going right. from one thing to another so you know it makes a lot of sense and then you you know you hear one of the words that he says is sanguine which is blood and so then when he started you know he was uh bleeding from his hands which is i can't think of what the word is for that um, oh oh yeah because they because um Oh my gosh. Stigmata. There it it's is. Stigmata. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like where they, they bleed like Christ blood, you know, so that he took the blood from his hands and he wiped his eyes and his and did a cross on his forehead and whatever, which was like very um you know, like uh, super symbolic. Um, but I thought like I said, the fact that the the Janus is the two faced god. Which is isn't it Giannis, you know, by the way? Don't they keep saying Giannis? It's J A N U S. Yeah, yeah but I, I believe it's Greek. Greek, I don't think. I don't think. I think it's a hard J in Greek. Oh, I thought think. they didn't have a J in Greek. I thought that was the whole yeah. thing. Maybe I'm no, Jupiter. Jupiter is Greek, right? Yeah. January, you know, uh, January. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's all. All go okay. together. But I thought Giles called him Janus. No, the god was point. Janus. Yeah, yeah, the guy. Yeah, no. the the the, the guy yeah, okay. was. I, yeah, yeah, I'm watching. Maybe I just misheard, but. Yeah, no, his the guy's name is Ethan, right? And yeah. he kept because he kept calling he kept calling Giles Rupert. Rupert. Well, first he called him Ripper. Ripper, yeah. Yes. Um. But yeah, so I mean, that's there I, was so much in yeah, the, as I'm watching it now. Yeah, yeah. There, there's so much foreshadowing in this that when you go back some episodes from now you're going to look back on this episode and go wow oh yeah no, i could tell and i could tell all the mythology part, yeah all the mythology part, was getting laid out right there and that's there that's a, part it, of why uh, i'm sorry to cut you both off but that's part of why i was because as soon as i saw which episode this was I, that was part of the reason that I got a little bit excited. And I know it, it tends to be, and, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It tends to be, we, we like, um, at least in these conversations that we have, we tend to like a lot of the mythology episodes a little bit more, you know, in season one, we liked the, the angel episode where we fought, where we found out, you know, I said before about Cordelia still doesn't believe angels of vampire, but you know, we found out that in, in that episode, we didn't so much like the prophecy girl episode, the season one finale. And I understand it was, it was a little anticlimactic, but there was still some, some more, um, kind of mythology stuff there and not not just but more of a of a continuity based thing it's not all about the mythology aspect of it but like like you know you just said uh ruth and and bill said he even picked up on it immediately all the stuff that's foreshadowing that's you know it i don't want to say it's all going to come out within the next few episodes or anything like that but there's definitely going to be stuff and I, and i'll be honest there's stuff that you may not even realize from this episode that's going to 
come back in future episodes. That's what I said. There's so much foreshadowing that some episodes from now, I kind of want to go and say, remember when this happened in, in, in Halloween, this was, this is where this was leading. And this is where this was leading. And there's so much that like was kind of almost foretold in this. Mm Mm-hmm that and, you'll see later on right now, isn't and, the hell mouth the doorway yes it yes is. the hell yes okay. the hell mouth is is the doorway yes um so yeah it all, with a spoiler or anything well no but it, it all, all it all in. comes it all yep exactly it all comes back around well he's talking he's talking about the janus you know no i know i knew what he was getting the at. god of doorways you know yeah. and, and and that you know it is but it's you know and it's and it's um well even when ethan says be careful what you Mm -hmm. wish for you know because buffy wished that she were somebody that she thinks that angel would like and then she became that character or that person only to find out that yeah he wasn't Mm -hmm. such a fan of that right at the end he's like yeah i didn't like those girls Mm -hmm. and realistically realistically it's a similar thing with xander you know xander has that embarrassing moment where buffy has to stand up for him and it's it's interesting because I don't think a moment like that, I just want to comment on this while I'm, I'm on it. I don't think a moment like that would fly on TV these days in terms of a guy being like, oh, how dare my masculinity get, eh, not questioned, but you know what I mean? Basically like, Oh, they're going to be, they're going to be teasing me about, and he, he says like, you know, the, the, what is it? Something about like cowardice last forever or something like that, because he feels that when the, the guy puts his hands on him and Buffy has to, has to, what does it have to, but she defends him. That's, and I, and I, I can say like, that's definitely a thing that a lot of males in generations past have grown up with for it was uh, you know certain generations you you know you didn't show any emotions you didn't you know if you going back you know there was there was guys where if you couldn't provide for your family if your if your wife or whatever had to also work to provide things you weren't enough of a man and then it became it where the that's thing. what's that you didn't want to show weakness right, right. and then but it became still a little bit of uh you know this still has to be some kind of chivalry in the world today where a man can you know take care of a woman by you know opening the door or something like that it doesn't have to be total you know, flowers and that's, sorry that's the thing because <laughs> a lot of a lot of times it's it's trying to portray it as a chauvinistic thing as opposed to a chivalristic thing right it's just a matter of sometimes it depends on who gets to the door first you know mm-hmm. like if you're get if you get to the door and you know you can open it for somebody else it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman coming through the door you open the door you right. know mm-hmm. um yeah. it's not that she's weaker it's just that you're being kind that sure. something that we you know, we're lacking a lot mm-hmm. in yeah. in this time. But yeah. I, I agree that I don't think that that scene 
where he got all upset because she stomped on his masculinity. I know that there would be all kinds of issues mm. with that these days. Right. But that's Xander's character too, as far as his masculinity, where he's kind of very fragile. Very yeah. fragile. Yes, he's he's, he's <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And so and it, and it's funny when you see like you see Willow look at him differently, you see Cordelia look at him differently at take charge thing. Right. But but then you hear Buffy say to him, "Well, why did you listen to why did you let her tell you what to do?" But she also, because when Angel goes and she says, uh, I want to stay with the man with the musket, you know, and maybe it's just because he has a gun and Angel doesn't, you know, obviously Angel doesn't need a gun. We know that. But the the most interesting in what you just said there, in my opinion, is the fact that twice in this episode, Cordelia looks at him differently. She looks at him differently when he provides her with the with the the jacket because she's cold. And then at the end, when Cordelia is like basically like, damn, everything that just happened. And he's and Angel still wants to go with Buffy and um, Xander and, and Cordelia, because Xander is like, you know, you're not getting in between those two or whatever. And Cordelia kind of looks at Xander in a in a very strange way, in my opinion. So he's I forceful. I thought it was he's, it's he's very forceful and authoritative, which is not a, a traditional Xander trait, right? And she kind of looks at him like, mm. but I, I like I said I like the fact I I, th- I love the fact that when they made uh, Buffy the um, princess, we'll call her the princess, they gave her dark hair, which was ironic because she's a blonde. Mm-hmm the costuming that they had was very similar to what was in that um, in that uh, sketchbook, you know, in the, in the watcher's diary. Yep. You know, very similar to that. Um, her hair down, in my opinion, she looked a lot like Drusilla. A little that's weak you know what i mean like buffy is usually and 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 of course that's the way that this whole story is written is that the blonde is usually the weak you know one that has to be rescued all the time in this situation it was the dark-haired princess that had to be rescued well and i you think know? unlike most episodes at least on hulu because that's where i mean even though i have the dvds I've, I've been watching it on hulu for this rewatch um they gave us like a previously on thing which i don't believe they they've done really so far at least on on this like on the streaming service um and they show us a little bit they reintroduce the spike character because it's been about two or three episodes since we've seen him we show how drusilla's there and she is there's clearly you know something off about her we if we remember back to the school hard episode we remember that but there's clearly something off about her she's a little a little for lack of a better word weak and fragile and i think that that comparison is definitely there when you say that 
because as we all know from watching as much TV and reading about as much TV as I know the three of us have, whatever they show you in that previously on, they want, that's the stuff where they're saying, this is the important stuff to remember before watching this episode. You know what I mean? It's not just, here's what happened last week. It's here's the important stuff that happened. Maybe some of it, and uh, Bill, I know you could attest to this, and and Ruth, I know just from other shows, but I'm just going to use Lost as the example. They could show you something in in season five or six that actually happened all the way back in season one or two, because they're mm-hmm. basically saying, "Hey, call this back in your mind because it's important to what you're about to watch." Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, people people at that time used to avoid watching the previews or the or the. Uh... Uh, coming attraction just for that fact right exactly it's very it could be spoilery you know uh, our our friend kevin still he he goes and he goes to see a lot of a lot of films you know at the at the cinema things like that he purposely goes in after the previews because he's very much a believer of i don't want to be spoiled on anything he's also not a fan and i don't disagree He's also not a fan of how they cut things to be where it looks like person A is talking to person B when in reality they're talking to person F and you know what I mean? Whatever. But yeah, I know a lot of people. Uh, trailers are, are trailers are very um, misleading. Right. And the previously on isn't isn't uh, isn't dissimilar to that, but it's still just like I said, the concept of we want you to remember this. So I think that's a very good, very good comparison where it is kind of that Drusilla like thing where she has the dark hair and it's down and she's, she's dressed in a more old school sort of thing. And she's, you know, a little, a little fragile. And it's interesting that like Spike didn't necessarily seem to, or if he did, it was more in like a predatory way, as opposed to a love way, like, like with Drusilla protector. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, we find we find out here that, um, which is one of my favorite things. And I'll I'll, I'll be honest, this one hundred like I don't normally say things like this, but this becomes a, a recurring gag on the show, and I love it. The fact that Halloween is like a a quiet day in the supernatural world. Yeah, I thought that was funny too. <laughs> like I don't normally say things like oh you know whatever like that. I'm not saying like every season they do like a Halloween episode, but they definitely reference that later on. And that becomes like a recurring gag. So like, I do love that. And the fact that Spike kind of knows that and whether he know he, you know, I don't know whether he knows that Buffy knows that or whatever, but he's basically out and he realizes something is going on here because if we didn't spell it out, instantly for for the people if they you know don't remember or what have you the people who buy their costumes from ethan's costume shop transform obviously into what they what their costume is and so when that happens and and, you know the kids as monsters are running around or whatever and spike looks around and he's just like well this is neat (laughs) like i just you know what i mean and then he kind of takes his cue from there as to be like okay something is up this might be my time to strike Right. Well, he, I mean, Buffy knew at the beginning, too, because she mentioned to Xander and Willow that she, she'd be available Halloween because it's it's quiet. Right. 
it's not a night that well, now can you imagine can you imagine a high school that sends the little kids out with the teenagers i mean i think it's a it's a cool idea but my question is i don't know that i would have trusted my kids to a teenager that i didn't know well my question is if if principal snyder thinks that like buffy specifically is such a delinquent why trust her with like because she has like five or six kids in her charge yeah you know don't talk to four to six it was a limited hour from four to six so it wasn't like it was you know but it was still funny like don't talk to them right. yeah she starts Take to say hi and he's like don't ah. talk to them. Right. Yeah. Just, since you mentioned, mentioned the principal i did notice he's a very handy guy he touches he grabbed that much. girl by the arm <laughs> right and then he, he had his hand on buffy's yeah, he, back and, yeah, yeah yeah well then again if you remember back to one of the one of the early episodes giles was that way with buffy as well yeah, he, not he and not in his... like a yeah. I remember we talked about that. Not in like a hand to hand combat way. Like he straight up, like he he oddly like looking back on it now, it's like hmm. But he like leans over her and he like stands very close to her. Yeah, um, he's and... he's a invasion of personal space kind of person as well. Yeah. But That's Principal fair. Snyder is, is sign of the times too. No sign of the times. Take the principle seriously. Because all I see is the little guy from Deep Space Nine with the big oh, giant ears. Yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like still That's has the bad... thing that pops into my head. It's like it looks like he still has bad teeth too. So, one of my notes is that Spike looked like he was having fun when he was walking down the street. One of my other notes is, which is kind of, it makes me laugh. We're talking about Giles and and whatever. So Willow tells him, or Buffy tells him that he needs to relax and and whatever did you notice what he was doing while he was relaxing on halloween night rearranging the card catalog yeah Hmm. that made me that made me laugh to the to the point of but then again it goes back to the duality when we see him and ethan and the difference in how he behave and you hear ethan talk about you know you have them fooled yeah that's, i love you're mild mannered and everything yeah. else like that and it's it then he kicks the crap out of ethan so yeah. you know what i mean it's like there's there's that uh two-facedness there as well right. you know that's there's, right. there's mild... no way james could have participated because nothing happened in the first 25 minutes really so right exactly right. Um, but yeah, that's the, but that's the thing is like, you know, you, you hear him say about, you know, they, you have them fooled. They think this is what you really are, you know? And then he goes on to, you know, give, you know, break the spell, break the spell and kick the crap out of him because, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he wants, he wants his way. And it's kind of funny. I did notice a, I don't know. It's a blooper or whatever. Wait, wait, wait. Before before you, before you go to your blooper, I do want (laughs) to, Probably one of my just because you said about about Giles with the you know the card catalog and all that sort of. Probably one of the funniest moments is when Willow walks through the wall and scares him, and he just like throws all the cards, and he just gets yes. so. Oh my gosh, I I cracked up laughing like probably the man has seen vampires and monsters and whatever, and a ghost walking through the wall scared him. 
It was, yeah, it was. That was yeah. The other part, too, was when he had her looking through the book and she goes, I can't turn the pages. Yes. <laughs> Talking about books, that was my blooper spoiler. When, when Buffy's trying to distract him so that Willow can go steal the book, she's looking through one of the books. There's absolutely nothing on any of the pages. Really? I can watch it. There are multiple pages that she turns to. And there is nothing on. The, there's a square on the page, but there's nothing on it. Huh. It just made me. It just made me laugh. But I love that she distracted him by telling him that Miss Calendar thinks he's hot. Right. <laughs> yeah. And but she stuttered all over herself when she tried to say it because it was like, uh, you know. Oh um, well, yeah, because that's yeah, that, weird. Um, just, you know, it was just funny that that was the only way she could distract him from you know turning around to to see what willow was up to with regards to willow we do get another moment here um where seth green as oz shows up well we see him earlier um when uh cordelia confronts him him being oz about the fact that she's dating the lead singer of oz's band and uh then later on he's driving through town and he sees willow and he once again says the line who is that girl which is exactly what he said when he saw her dressed up um in the eskimo. yeah as, as the eskimo in the inca mummy girl episode so um i think i said it then and well, i'll, I'll he... cut, kind of say it again <laughs> here like there's there they're definitely setting something up there, like clearly. He bumps into her when she's the, when she is the ghost. The ghost, yes, she has the the sheet yes. over her head. Yeah, and kind of, of funny. Andrew will be all upset by that. Meanwhile, he doesn't pay Willow two cents, so but then he'll be upset. I'm sure he's gonna he's gonna be upset <laughs> that she pays attention to somebody else. Right. But you know, like yeah, it's but it's funny that Willow talks about wanting and we talked about you know how they become their costumes and she wanted to disappear you know like theoretically she she didn't want people to pay attention to her because the first outfit she had on you know she looked attractive and whatever and then she put the ghost on because she wanted to disappear and then she does and i want to i want to take a pause and and make a comment here so i used to say it all the time on on lost with friends um in my opinion, and I still say this, Buffy is is probably, I always say it's like my second or third favorite show. Lost is is my favorite show. I've I've never, you know, hesitated on that or anything. But one of the things that I love about Lost, and, and again, I used to say this on the on the podcast that we used to do all the time, was that I felt Apple Podcast. <laughs> but I felt that every time I watched it, I discovered something new. And Bill, I don't know if you feel the same way about it or what, but I, I that's just my opinion is every time I, I watch the show, I feel like I discover something new, maybe not in every episode, but there's always something to me that it's like, oh, I'd never realized that the last time that I saw this particular episode or what have you. And a lot, one of the things about that show, and it's, to me, it's a sign of a good show in general, is the sort of the layers and the things you don't understand. And we kind of talked about this in the previous episode, the Reptile Boy episode, where on the surface, of course, the the the, the Buffy show is, you know, teenage girl, 
saves the world, saves, you know, the town and, and her friends and whatever. But in the Reptile Boy episode, it was there's sort of this this seedy underbelly of these older guys preying on these younger girls. And it's one of those things where it's kind of it's the fact that it's a real life thing and that makes us feel a little more uncomfortable and what have you. And this episode, we've already pointed out here, like Bill said, um, well, the, we said so the the statue, the 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 God or what have you. Um, that Ethan uses is the god of duality, doorways. We said it before. Bill no, said about the fact that the Hellmouth is the doorway to uh, to the the beyond, or you know, whatever whatever hell is. Um, you know, uh, Buffy becomes sort of what she wanted, and you know, to be careful what you wish for, sort of thing, because she becomes what she thinks Angel is going to want based off of the girls that he allegedly liked back when he was her age will you know we just said willow becomes uh invisible basically as a ghost not invisible but you know basically that sort of thing xander becomes this rambo army type guy because he had his masculinity questioned basically at the you know earlier in the episode and what have you to me I'm not saying it's not obvious, but I'm saying it may not be one of those things that immediately comes to your mind when you watch it for the first time. It may just be, oh, they became their costumes. Not necessarily their costumes reflect what was what was being discussed earlier in the episode. Like that to me is one of those it's it's a it's a second or third layer of the writing, of the acting, of the show itself. And I'm not saying, that, you know, obviously I rewatched this show multiple times and that that's definitely something, probably my second time watching it that I noticed, you know what I mean? It was like, oh yes, that's sort of what happened there and whatnot. But to me, that's one of the things that makes this show not just, oh, it's a teenage, you know, and I, and I, when I used to work at the supermarket, uh, I worked for someone who very opinionated person, but very much of the opinion of like, oh, that's that's just a teenage show, you know? And it's like a lot of people are like, oh, Dawson's Creek, oh, this, whatever. As if to say that shows that are quote unquote teenage dramas can't have real, you know, emotions, real this, real that, whatever. Obviously, this is a show with heightened, you know, heightened elements because of the supernatural aspect and things like that. But I think this episode is a, is a perfect example of how there can be those multiple layers to a show that's quote unquote just a teenage, you know, fantasy show or what have you. Right, and I don't think it's humanly possible to to really analyze all the layers on on one watch. I, I don't I don't think the brain can process a lot of the stuff in one watch. So I think that especially with the loss too, that's why you would see different things the next time you watched it. Because your brain was already conditioned to what you've already learned, and now you're seeing different things. So I think right. it's the same situation here, right? But that's one of the, and and I will say, and I've said it before about the various things that we that we cover across all the the podcasts that I do and stuff. But that's one of the things that I like about doing a a show like this is where we can we can kind of point out these things. Maybe uh you know maybe somebody else didn't necessarily realize that. 
Um, obviously the different perspectives, like, you know, I've talked about before the fact that, you know, Bill is a first time viewer, things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, like I said, to me, it's, it's one of the things that, that I really like about this show and what to me, cause obviously we had, and we talked about this even earlier in this particular episode, we had some episodes that just kind of seemed very meh, whether it be, you know, certain ones in season one and we get, you know, I, I'll just say myself, I personally get a little bit more excited about some episodes more than others, you know, what have you. But like I said, this to me is one of those things that that shows that it's not just a teenage, you know, supernatural, whatever. Uh, you were saying about the just the teenage drama thing. Yeah. And to me, that's the same people who when when uh when kids graduate from high school they say now welcome to the real world honey they lived in the real world longer than you think they have with everything that happens to them through school and everything else it is the real world you know what i mean it, it they don't magically become an adult the second they step across that stage you know what i mean it, it's it's you know like when they say oh it's just a teenage show Teenagers go through the same emotions and sometimes more heightened, like you said, with this show where everything is amplified, but it's the same concept. Well, right? there's a, there's the, uh, no, and I, and I fully agree. There's actually a show that I, that I really liked. Um, and it was a teenage show when I was a teenager and things like that. Um, and it was actually, it was on the WB and then the CW and it was called One Tree Hill. Uh, Mom, I know you've watched that show. Bill, I don't know if you ever watched it or. No, I've never seen it. Nope. Okay. Um, but basically it was, I mean, it was, it was your standard teenage drama show. You know what I mean? You know, not, not dissimilar to a Beverly Hills 90210, a Dawson's Creek, all that sort of stuff. But they went through stuff that I'm not saying every high school went through, but you know, they had things where they would pull pranks, they would get in trouble, they would break in, they would, you know, some uh, one of the guys or girls might get arrested. It was this one sleeping with that one and all of those things. And then they, they continued the show past the high school years. And what they did, spoiler for anybody who hasn't watched that show, but what they did was, at the end of the the one season where it was the end of high school, they basically show you a thing and they're like, the next time you see these characters, they'll be very different because what they did was they shot the show forward about four or five years into the future because the, the writers basically said a lot of the stuff that people do in college, we had them do here. Well, yeah, you had drinking, partying, all that sort of stuff. We had them do in high school because a lot of them do that in high school now that they used to do in college and what have you. So that's, I mean, even that alone, where like you were saying, mom, you know, like, oh, welcome to the real world. And then a lot of them go to college and they're doing the same stuff that they were doing. It's just now they're doing it maybe a way they don't have to hide it as much from their parents. Or, you know, well, yeah, you had teen pregnancy, you had alcohol, you had drugs, you had all the things. Right. Like I said, it was just to me, though, I think this is a this is a very good example. And I'm not saying there weren't other examples. Like I said, even the the episode previous to this, the reptile boy episode, 
we kind of discussed it a little bit more in depth there about how certain you know a lot of things in that episode kind of unfortunately reflect some aspects of real life but i think that that this episode is a very good example of the the sort of layers in the show and how it it proves that it's not just this that or or the third right but i think to be honest watching getting through the first season was not as intriguing or you know that was just a teenage drama oh thing. A lot, a lot of it, yeah. No, I, I will, I will definitely admit that oh. there a, a lot of, a lot of season right. one is. So if that... those critics base their opinion on just seeing season one. They, you know, I could see how they can come out with that opinion. But, but yeah, now no, it's kicking I... ass now. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm trying to think if there's anything that we didn't necessarily cover. We covered um, the whole change. We covered uh, Giles and, and Ethan. Um, was there anything well, else? Stella was saying about her vision of something new is coming. Was that the Ethan guy? Well... Yeah, because they were talking about the fact that uh, nothing happens on Halloween, right? But there's something new, and, and so something out. new. So there was there was something that happened, you know, something that happened on Halloween. Paul, I had a question for you. Did you notice that the picture that uh, the first picture that Buffy saw of herself was that the courtyard? I the, the don't remember offhand. I was looking at it, and I'm thinking, I think you were there. If it was the courtyard, yeah, I was. I was. If it was yeah, if like it was the, at the school, then yeah. It looks like it was the outside stairs. I mean, I could be wrong, but it looked like it might have been taken there. Um, so it was just kind of kind of funny to me that it was like, oh wait, I think you've been there. Well, the um, thing that I, just speaking of the pictures, the thing that I liked was, you know, Buffy, not Buffy, Princess Buffy, whatever you want to call her. She was very much like, this looks like me. And Willow's like, that is. And she's like, I choose not to believe that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and which is another, which is a very, a very um, uh, non-slayer concept. You know what I mean? The fact that it's right there in front of her. She can see it. And yet she chooses not to believe it, which is. Well, that's Buffy what the, that's what a as, lot of the townspeople do, Right. Right. But as as the Slayer, even things that she doesn't see, she still believes them. Right. Because she knows that it's, you know, there's more than what you see. But I thought it was I thought it was and I mean, it goes along with kind of how her character is right. Like she she says these things and I think they and I, I'm not doubting this at all, that they specifically worded this way where she says. I can't remember the exact quote, but it's something along the lines of she's meant to look pretty and then maybe some guy will want to marry her. I think she says like preferably a baron or something like that. Yes. Like the yeah. way that that was worded was definitely as if to say women who used to think that way or still do th think that way are lesser than. The, well, in my in my opinion, that wording and and her delivery on that was seemed very much to be well like, because that's what that's what was expected of a young woman in the in the late seventeen hundreds was 
your their only purpose in life they were not because they they couldn't own property that's why that's why willow says i would rather be able to vote i no, um, and i and i totally they, understand they weren't, that they and... weren't allowed their whole their whole purpose was to either enhance uh enhance they were supposed to look good on somebody's arm and they were supposed to enhance life either for their husband or their father so you know going from one to the other the the you know the dowry that was paid was you know from one to the other they were buying her so then she went from being literally well figuratively we'll say for the sake of argument figuratively owned by one man to another and i and i totally understand that that's how it used to be and clearly that's not correct i get that but it was to me like i said to me it was the way that it was worded and the way that it was delivered as if to continuously drive home the point. And again, I get it. And that's partly what they wanted to do, but to continuously drive home the point of like, this is not right. This is the opposite of who Buffy is and what Buffy believes. It was a little too on the nose. Well, yeah. Me. And I mean, and, and, and it was, and it's terrible because Sarah Michelle, Sarah Michelle, Sarah Michelle Geller. Uh, her. She's a better actress than that. The way that she delivered a lot of the lines felt like they were out of character for her. And so it was hard for her to say them. You know what I See, mean? It's it was funny because like... I was actually gonna say almost the opposite, where I was we we talked Bill, I don't remember if you were on the the nightmares mm-hmm. episode of season one. I don't think so. Okay. Because in that one, that's where um, uh, it's little kid and he he's having basically his nightmares and everyone's nightmares become a reality. And um, if the two of you remember, uh, Buffy's dad comes to he's supposed to pick mm-hmm. her up that day. And he says to her, like, oh, let's end this charade. We both know that I left because of you. Oh, I saw that episode. Yeah. yeah OK, so we talked on the podcast. We talked about the fact that. Probably the and and I believe it was now that I I want to say it was maybe Lisa and Kiona and myself or maybe James was on there as well. But we basically said that that was probably one of the best performances by any of the actors in that entire first season and probably one of the best performances by Sarah Michelle Gellar ever. And I, I didn't I'm not saying I got the same vibes here, but I actually think that she for the most part embodied this character very well the like oh i'm not saying that but i'm just saying that those like the when she delivered that line about um you know my my i'm not supposed to be strong my purpose basically my purpose is to just you know look pretty and then you know enhance somebody else's life it see it seemed to me and maybe i'm projecting it on her but it seemed to me that she struggled with that to be able to 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 get that out because it's so it was almost as though the inner actual Buffy was fighting that being a, actually saying those words you know I could see that honestly yeah. I'm still at a stage I guess it's early season two but I'm waiting for not not the mopey Buffy I don't know if that happens but she's she just seems like this well, she's still pet too. she's yeah, it seems that she's petulant because right. she doesn't want to be the because she doesn't want to be the slayer. Exactly, and I'm waiting for the yeah. moment she accepts it and she becomes more 
more bright. Strong. Yeah. Yeah. Because right now she's still, I have to go on patrol. I'm, right. I'm upset because um, I can't go meet my boyfriend because. Right. Like a mess. My hair is a mess because I was yes. just fighting two vampires. Yeah. Yes. And uh, earlier before we recorded for the people who are listening, uh, James popped in for a minute to, to talk to us. And he said, one of the things that kind of, annoyed him was the fact that at the beginning when after Buffy you know fights the vampire at the at the cemetery she goes to meet Angel and she walks in on him talking to Cordelia and immediately gets upset and leaves because how dare he talk to another girl and I and I said to him at the time I said it's because she's a teenager and as a teenager, you're not allowed to, you know, you're not as, as a, a dating couple, you're not allowed to talk to somebody else. You're not allowed to have other friends because if you have other friends, then you're not really my friend. And I will just say this, you know, and, that's and, the way their little brains think. And I will say, and I'm, mom, I'm sure you can, you can agree with this. And, and Bill, I, I mean, I don't know how close you consider certain people versus others, but I know my mother since before i was born my mother's best friend is a guy and mm -hmm. since high school my best friend i always say i have two of course most people who listen to the podcast know i always say jake is is my best friend and i i'm not taking anything away from that but i always i also always say that my best friend since high school um i'm not going to say her name just cuz she likes some privacy but um has been a a female and there were times on both ends where she was dating someone and the few times that I've been with someone where who like the the romantic partner was a little like what do you mean your best friend is someone of the opposite gender sort of thing and partially because you know we became friends in high school up until now like she's you know she's very happily married and also i i i think you know her husband is a fantastic guy the three of us go out to dinner you know probably once every few months we talk all, you know a lot and whatever but and i'm not saying he thought that but i know guys in the past that she that she uh had dated were very like what do you mean your best friend is a guy sort of mm -hmm. thing and yeah, it's that's just, funny go ahead no no i just it's just very funny to me because in in high school it was not a little weird but it was definitely like people would always be like yeah mm -hmm, you guys are just friends and it's like we are like we're just friends and then like as we've gotten older like like even well that's I mean, because I'm, you grew up you grew up with the idea that, yeah, you can have a friend who's the opposite gender because your mother is fr my best friend is a guy. He helped me. He went with me when I picked out my wedding dress when I was getting married to your dad. Right. You know what I mean? He's always been there. He we consider him your third parent. Yeah. You know, oh, absolutely. He, I always. Yeah. I've Yeah, he is. He's he's my my third parent for sure, because. He's been a, a very big part of your life. He's been a very big part of my life since, you know, when, when, when there would be, we've talked about it on, on like Paul and all's, which is another podcast that I do like things like that. Uh, you know, anytime there would be like 
uh, a church thing going on or whatever, you and my dad and your best friend would all be there together. Like not together, but you know, like you would all be, be sitting. We would together. all be there together. We'd sit, sit together. You know, we, we did those things, you know, and like, that's we've always and, you know and in fairness always... over especially over the last several years his son thinks of you as his third parent yeah you know because yep. that's just how close you two have been for our whole lives that and we've always we've always gotten the well you guys are dating no we're not we're not we we aren't it's never and we're friends, you know, but I, I get it. There are, you know, there is that, you know, and, and I, stigma. I, I, the word is stigma. Yeah. And well, the, the, the problem is generally the people who think that way are the ones who think if I was in that situation, I would behave differently. And so they, they, um, they put their feelings on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they put that, um, you know, like if, if I were, if I were home and my friend came over, your dad would never think anything of that because he knew we were friends, but there are other people who would immediately be going, I got to make a phone call. I got to call and make sure what's going on at that house. Well, I remember my, I don't, not not to get too far off topic, but I do remember that um, one of the first times not long after I got my car and I finally went because for a very long time, it was always my female best friend would come to see me. I didn't really get to go see her a lot. She lives a few towns over, but it's a bit of a drive. Um, and I went and visited her and we were hanging out. And I jokingly made the comment of like, oh, is one of your neighbors going to say to your husband, like, sure, you were gone to work and some guy came over and, you know, because like we joke about it, you know what I mean? And she was like, they probably will. And then as soon as I say that it was you, he'll be like, oh, psh, you know, whatever, because like it's it's just Paul, like, you know, whatever, because he knows that her and I have been friends forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I said, yep. I think I think that it's. It's just one of those things where it's an immature thing. And unfortunately, at any age, there are some people who just don't grow out of it because, like you just said, people are there and they think that they can't do it. So yeah. other people can't do it either. And yeah. I'm going to be honest and I'm not going to say I think it's I'm going to say it is a sign of immaturity that just because you can't handle something means that other people yeah. can't handle it either. Not there's no, I, it, most people would bat, wouldn't bat an eyelash watching high school kids act that way as, as well, in the show. Yeah, oh, well, you, you know, no. but it is, but it, it, but it's funny because in the show she walks in, she sees it. And, and James's comment was, why didn't she say something? She just left. And I thought, because that's not, that's not how you handle, you don't know as a teenager, they don't mm -hmm. quite know how to handle that. Well, and I no, get it. To, that's, to, that's what teenagers, you know, you're you're learning how to deal with those situations. That's why yeah. it bothers me when when you hear kids that are, you know, six years old and I have a boyfriend. You're not emotionally ready to handle that. 
you know, like to go along with what Bill said, though, like he's I, I think he's right. And, and I don't mean this as any as any negative way towards James, but like we the three of us, Ruth and, and Bill and myself can kind of sit here and go, well, that's just what teenagers do. But James being a few years younger, I'm not saying he's, he's still in that mindset because I know he's not like I know. No, I but literally... he also said he also said that it it does it's not just on this show, but that happens in a lot of shows. That's where they put that. Um, you know, a lot of shows have that uh, uh, plot twist, or you know, they, there's a bump in the road for the romantic couple is a misunderstanding. But instead of talking about it, they immediately react. Right. And, and that that's well, yeah, that's you know, just it, to that's it, just it, to create drama, of course. And that's obviously any any show. It, yeah, know. it's a it's a books do it. It's a plot device. But again, it's something that at least, you know, I mean, I'm glad he noticed that. The, well, that's that's that what was, I was going to say was, was and I and I and I know he doesn't feel this way because literally um, uh, maybe a week ago, a little over a week ago, um he and his fiance invited me over for dinner and he had to go pick up one of the kids and there was never, and there wouldn't ever be a question to be like, Oh, let me leave Paul and my fiance here alone. Yeah, no, you Even come for there was a ride other, with you know, me. So you're not here alone with her, you know? Right. Exactly. Like there was never, and, and you know what I mean? Like, that's not a thing. And I, and that's what I'm saying. I know he's mature he enough doesn't to think that way. Yeah. Right. But it's also a thing of, and I'm I know he watches you know shows that are that are more mature and and what have you. But I think it's just one of those things where, unfortunately, because of, like, like I said, for me and even after high school, people think that way, and unfortunately, that sort of thing kind of gets passed down, whether it be through siblings, cousins, other TV, what have you, where people kind of get that whole well why would you do that because they don't necessarily realize like that's just what teenagers do right. sort of thing and just yeah. to get back to that scene that with this manifest this conversation is i mean she was insecure from the get-go she was all worried about the, her hair and how she looked uh, well she yeah and she well yeah that yeah before she even saw the two of them yep and she was and, and she was late getting there and she yeah, thinking, yeah, she, oh well you know why would he wait for me and that was the whole purpose behind yeah. her becoming the princess because right. she wanted to be somebody that she thought that he, you know, I'm not attractive enough for him. Exasperated her insecurity. Just seemed and, too yeah. and that's yeah. what I was going to say was she, she specifically says something like that, where, you know, like, like Bill, you just said, like, you know, about her hair and the fact that she had just come from this fight and whatever. And she says, but there's Cordelia, you know, with her perfectly styled hair and, and, you know, non-wrinkly outfit and, you know what I mean? All that sort of stuff. I just want to make one quick just saying about Cordelia's office. She wears the cat costume. Mm. Uh, about a week ago or so of us recording this episode on Charisma Carpenter's Instagram. Um, and when people go back and listen to this, they can see and they could probably place where we recorded this episode. Um, but she just posted a picture of that. Um, it's actually from the conversation that she's having with Oz near the lockers. And she posted a picture of this this cat, you know, uh, from about the the neck up of the cat costume. And she says that it's still one of her favorite outfits. So actually, I'm thinking back to the 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 fantastic fact that I had where the costume designer said that Buffy's was her favorite. And she says Charisma Carpenter says all these years later that this was one of her favorites. So 
I think that continues to point out about this episode being uh, a kind of important and cool one. Yeah, well, that's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think that it it's one of those things, and it's and it's definitely good that uh, just going back to the the conversation about about Buffy being insecure and and whatnot, and I think it's one of those things that it's something that I think the show points out that like people can then talk about like we in the previous episode to this um uh we had asked we actually we had asked you bill about you know like oh are you showing you know have you showed this show to your daughter yet and whatever and i'm not saying like bill use this opportunity whatever but i think that's one of those like perfect things where you could point it out and you know i'm not saying for you but i'm just saying like in general if if somebody if a teen was watching this that they could kind of, you know, this could be kind of pointed out and go like, this is an example. Like, think about it. What was wrong? Her hair wasn't the greatest, but what did she do? Unfortunately, she, she, I don't want to say overreacted, but she misunderstood the, the, the room. She misread the room and immediately ran instead of asking questions and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, I think and it's, is- also, it's also important to point out the fact that she has, all of the things going on for her as far as strength and she's pretty and this and that and she's still insecure yes you know what i mean so you know insecurity doesn't only come to shy people like willow or you know xander or you know what i mean it's like even when you think uh, even um cordelia is upset because her boyfriend stood her up everybody has something going on right you know what I mean? Everybody has some, which is a great thing as a teaching tool for a, a teen or whatever. For, say, really for anybody, because I'm not going to lie, because yeah. I, I know people in their, their, you know, obviously children, uh, a lot of times only, you know, whatever, but teens, 20s, 30s, 40s and upward who, you know, it's it's an unfortunate thing, but we we all think, oh my gosh. Everybody else has it together and I'm the mess. Right. You know, I, I'm having a bad hair day and they're all going to be looking at me and look, they all look so great and whatever. And it's like, really, they're all there thinking of, you know, the fact that they, oh my gosh, did did they, did, did the person that I was just talking to realize that I may have had something in my teeth from lunch or, you know, whatever. Yep. Well, that's, it's funny. There's a, there's an old saying that if everybody threw all their problems together in a pile, you would take your own back because your problems comparatively to what everybody else has seem insignificant. Yeah. You know, like if you, if you put everything that you say is wrong, that you know is wrong in a pile and then looked at what everybody else threw in there, you'd go, Nope, mine's not so bad. I'm going to keep you instead of, you know, trading it in on, on somebody else's. First world problems. Yep. (laughs) And it, it, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a it's the way people are but you know it's true you know you think that you've got the the work you don't know what's going on in somebody else's head you know Buffy's looking at at Cordelia going yeah she's got it all together and everything's wonderful and here I am I was out and I was basically working and whatever and Cordelia's over there going yeah my boyfriend doesn't pay attention to me and he stands me up and this and that you know what I mean? Your boyfriend is sitting there waiting for you. Hers isn't there. That's why she's hitting on yours, but you're going to walk away. 
Like what? Right. Um. What about the guy the the uh, low battery camcorder vampire? What what's up with that? So, oh, he was recording for Spike. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying, but with the low battery, come on. Uh, well, because, <laughs> well, because because they're I don't know where they're living now, but you know, like where are they that they can charge it? I guess, but yeah. You know, like I mean, um, I I don't no, know. No, no, no. We're not going to get into that because that was a discussion. So, um, the second episode of of this season um was it was called some assembly required and basically it was a frankenstein's monster type episode and okay uh, i believe it was joss whedon the the creator and and head writer of the show that somebody in the writer's room had asked him something along the lines of how can a teenager or even a group of teenagers put together this thing that can like reanimate a dead body and whedon basically made a comment like it's the hell mouth you know if if you start to think too much about it you know whatever basically like it it gives people we know it gives off mystical energy and this and that so it can it can create mad scientists out of people sort of thing so if we're going to accept all of that they could easily charge a camcorder battery <clears throat> well yeah but i mean it's just the idea that first of all they would have had to get it from somewhere and second of all how long has he been out there filming because those batteries didn't last a really long time back then anyway. You got yeah. maybe you got maybe an hour, hour and a half if you were lucky. How long was he waiting at the cemetery for her to get there? Yeah. But I think what you and know. correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what Bill was getting more at was just the concept of like one, look at that giant camera. Two, why are you doing this on a low battery? And yeah. three, what what is this about? <laughs> right. well, a lot of Buffy's van, a lot of her victims seem to just be losers in the park at night, like loser yeah. vampires. So, yes, but yeah. I, but I thought it was interesting that Spike is in. in I don't want to say concerned enough, but that he has her being filmed so he can watch how she fights to figure out how to fight her. Well, I think he realized, and they they talked about this in the the. I believe it was that first episode, the school hard episode where he either he comments. I think they said multiple times in that episode, like this is a slayer who has friends and family. And as, as we saw in that episode, we saw in the, you know, previously on part of this, uh, of this episode, he's killed two slayers before. And, you know, this is this is a new thing for him. The fact that this Slayer has friends and family and, you know, he obviously he fought with her a little bit, uh, you know, and I think he can tell there's something different about her. So, it, I mean, it makes sense, right, that there would be a little reconnaissance there. Well, yeah, on... I mean, any any good any good fighter you know, uh, whether any, whatever, like sports teams, they film themselves and they film who they're going up against to know how they play or whatever. Boxers watch films of other boxers to see how they fight, to know how to defend yourself. Right. So it, it does make sense. But, you know, you think you, he would have some better equipment because, you know. <laughs> but On the other hand, it is he's running on seven. don't juice. forget, so. Yeah, well, like I said, 
that's the thing, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the cameras didn't last, the batteries didn't last that long. And I'll tell you what, that was a very small camcorder comparatively to what I had at that right. time. Right, on the shoulder, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, I had one of the big ones. So, I, rem yeah, I remember the good. one that you had. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so, you know, the difference in, in they didn't, the batteries didn't last. You always had to have like one, we bought an extra battery because they didn't last long. They take forever to charge, which makes me laugh now how fast our phones and everything charge comparatively to how long they used to take to charge. So, well, we covered everything on my list. Yeah, that was great. No, great episode. Uh, one final thing I tend to do, uh, the writer of this was Carl Ellsworth, who has written, uh, let's see, he wrote, um, The Last House on the Left, the 2009 version of the film. Um, he wrote the film, uh, Disturbia, as well as, uh, some other like TV show, you know, he, he's written for Xena, which was actually referenced in this. Amongst, yeah, that's funny. Amongst some other things. Um, and it was directed by Bruce Seth Green, not to be confused, of course, with Seth Green, who appears in the episode. Um, and as a little tease going forward, uh, if if we don't mind, um, after we give uh, the the socials and stuff, I have a quote from the episode that I want to read as a little tease uh, for going forward. So before I, I read that... Um, Ruth, Bill, where can they find you both all across the internet? Well, I'm just on Facebook. You can find me, my name on Facebook or um, just plain crazy face art. You can also find me on the clock shelves website. Yep, but I'm just on Facebook uh, and Instagram. You can find me, some cool stuff. Uh, bagels and Places is a fun website. I can show you where I eat my bagels. Um, and that's that. Uh, of course, uh, Twitter and Instagram, JPGRB. Um, for all of us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, it's Clock Shelves. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. -E um, we reference some other podcasts that we do. You can check those out uh, via those socials or clockshelves.com. And to end the episode, just as a tease for what's uh, we said a lot of foreshadowing in this and, and so on. And um, I don't want to get too far into what we're foreshadowing, but I, I really, really like this quote um, by the character of Ethan Rain in this episode where he's talking with Giles and he says, Who are you? The watcher, sniveling, tweed-clad guardian of the Slayer and her kin? I think not. I know who you are. Rupert and I know what you're capable of, but they don't, do they? They have no idea where you come from. And I'm going to leave us with that, and we hope that you all had a fantastic time.